explained to her that she could be considered an accessory. And that made her decide to cooperate? Not exactly. She decided to cooperate when I told her how before the shooting, Kenny had been sometimes seeing Denise Bakalowski. Ranger was smiling in the dark. You lie about Denise? Yeah. Proud of you, babe. I didn't feel bad about the lie since Kenny was a scumbag felon and Julia should be setting her sights higher anyway. Looks like maybe she thought twice about reaping the rewards of revenge and waved Kenny away. You find out where he's living? He's moving around. Julia doesn't have a phone number for him. She says he's being careful. He a first-time offender? Yeah. Probably nervous about checking into the big house. Heard all those stories about date rape. We turned silent as a pickup approached. It was a new Toyota 4x4 fresh off the showroom floor. Dark color. Temporary plates. Extra antennae for a car phone. The Toyota eased up at the Cape Cod and pulled into the driveway. The driver got out and walked to the front door. His back was to us and the lighting was poor. What do you think? Ranger asked. Is that Mancuso? I couldn't tell from this distance. The man was the right height and weight. Mancuso was 21 years old, 6 feet tall, 175 pounds, dark brown hair. He'd been discharged from the army four months ago, and he was in good shape. I had several pictures that were obtained when the bond had been posted, but they didn't do me any good from this angle. Could be him but I can't swear to it without seeing his face, I said. The front door of the house opened, and the man disappeared inside. The door closed shut. We could go knock on the door nice and polite and ask if he's the man, Ranger said. I nodded in agreement. That might work. We stood and adjusted our gun belts. I was dressed in dark jeans, long-sleeved black turtleneck, navy Kevlar vest, and red keds. I had my curly, shoulder-length brown hair tied in a ponytail, tucked under a navy ball cap. I wore my five-shot, thirty-eight Smith & Wesson Chief Special in a black nylon-webbed hip holster with cuffs and a defense spray wedged into the back of the belt. We walked across the lawn, and Ranger rapped on the front door to the house with a flashlight that was 18 inches long and 8 inches round at the reflector. It gave good light, and Ranger said it was excellent for making serious head dents. Fortunately, I've never had to witness any bludgeoning. I'd fainted flat out watching Reservoir Dogs and had no illusions about my blood and guts comfort level. If Ranger ever had to use the flashlight to crack skulls while I was around, I intended to close my eyes, and then maybe I'd take up another profession. When no one answered, I stepped to the side and unholstered my revolver. Standard procedure for the backup partner. In my case, it was more or less an empty gesture. I religiously went to the range to practice, but truth is, I'm hopelessly unmechanical. I harbor an irrational fear of guns, and most of the time keep my little S&W empty of bullets so I won't accidentally blast the toes off my foot. On the one occasion I'd had to shoot somebody, I'd been so flustered I'd forgotten to take my gun out of my pocketbook before pulling the trigger. 
I wasn't eager to repeat the performance. Ranger rapped again, with more force. Fugitive apprehension agent, he called out. Open the door. This drew a response, and the door was opened. Not by Julia Sinetta or Kenny Mancuso, but by Joe Morelli, a Trenton Police Department plainclothesman. We all stood silent for a moment, everyone surprised to see everyone else. That your truck in the driveway? Ranger finally asked Morelli. Yeah, Morelli said. Just got it. Ranger nodded. Good-looking vehicle. Morelli and I were both from the Berg, a blue-collared chunk of Trenton, where dysfunctional drunks were still called bums, and only pansies went to Jiffy Lube for an oil change. Morelli had a long history of taking advantage of my naivete.